Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. today yeah i did okay so there's a party in the usa i just said that because you know miley cyrus sang it a long time ago and there's only 687,440 944 views on youtube so like lots of people there's 687,440,944,000 yeah i was really views on that song I was really disappointed when I saw the official music video for that song. Yep. You know, because the song is, you know, uh, this ain't a national party, you know, this ain't my hometown. You know, I'm just this, you know, country girl coming to this big city in L.A. and I'm out of place. And, you know, I'm just like the girl next door and, you know, I'm feeling out of place, you know, with this, you know, chic, hip kind of worldly place. And then the video... that are rocking kicks like yeah she's got cowboy boots and other girls do and they've got shorts that are you know the legs are <laughs> about caught up to the crotch line and you know and they're scantily clad and and uh doing all sorts of gyrations and stuff and it's like well this the song portrays the girl next door you know it's not a nashville party um you're such a middle-aged curmudgeon <laughs> Yeah, you are. 
I don't know. I guess I just don't have a thing for teenage girls. Maybe I don't know. But uh, well, that's a good thing. I would, I would, yeah. I would be a little bit concerned if you did. I'd be like, but it's just so disappointing, you know, because the lyrical—it's a good story yeah. in the song. The song tells a story, but uh, you know, then it comes off as, oh, I butterflied in my stomach and I'm so shy and innocent, yeah. and and then it. And the portrayal, the video portrayals, anything but yeah. the shy country girl. This show's gonna be totally black. But I keep making explosions. And all those things I didn't say were acting balls inside my brain. Alright, this is Rachel Clanton's song. Okay, I'm playing this stuff. Okay. Because America's, like, fighting with each other, and it drives me crazy. We're having a party, kind of. But then... (laughs) But then we're actually fighting with each other. I know, it's such a great song, actually. It's... The stories to songs are really important, people. Just so you know. All right, anyway. So, first off... (sighs) Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad you're here. I am. Um, I I gotta make an announcement. Yeah, I am. There's a little fake something, whatever that is. Kazoo. I don't know. Anyway. Um. All right. So this is my last week for now, for God only knows how long. A broadcasting Monday through Friday, Bible News Radio. Uh, and I don't know. I kind of feel mixed about it. <clears throat> I'm a little bit emotional about it. I know it probably doesn't look like it, but I completely am. Just so you know. But here's the deal. Uh, last night, Randall and I were talking about the new time. Uh, I was originally going to do it at 7 Central, but because I teach Awana at, on Sunday and don't get out of the church until 7, um, we're going to make that 8 o'clock on Sunday. So we figured if we're going to make it 8 on Sunday, we may as well make it 8 on Friday and Saturday too. So mark your calendar for 8 p.m. Central Time, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, starting next week. Okay? That's what we're going to do starting next week. There will not be a broadcast anymore on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I will be continuing to update Instagram and probably doing some promo stuff throughout the week. So it's not like you'll be without me. Monday through Friday, <laughs> it just won't be the whole show, okay? So those of you on the West Coast, you'll be able to tune in at 6 o'clock. And uh, um, those of you in Mountain Time, it'll be 7. Central Time, it'll be 8. And Eastern Time, it'll be 9. Wow, you guys are going to stay up late to listen to us on the East Coast. Sorry about that. <clears throat> but it is what it is, right? I mean... You know, everybody keeps telling me God's trying to do new beginnings in your life. Your tree fell down, so it's a new beginning for you, blah, blah, etc., blah, blah. And I was like, okay, all right. We'll see where it goes, right? I mean, I'm, I actually am looking forward to this change. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be very different though for me, to be honest, because I'm so used to having my day split up in three different segments 
that um, <clears throat> to have Bible News Radio removed from my day four days a week is going to be it's going to be a bit it's going to be a change, but I am hoping that it's going to be a good change for the show and for you know what what really my heart is leading us to do. And so there's going to be more books, devotions, more writing, and there's going to be hopefully some other stuff too. So I have a vision, people. Yeah, I do. There it is. You guys can't see it, but I can. <laughs> anyway, if you're not on my text message list, make sure you join me at text by texting Bible News 33222. Okay, do that. You get my text messages. And of course, if you're following me on social media anywhere, you will be able to also follow me at Bible News Radio pretty much everywhere. <clears throat> Man, my ear. My ears have been kind of bugging me again. All right, so let's start with the Joe Scar Scarborough uh, clip. I, I don't know when Randall gets it pulled up. Let me know when you got it, Bareface. Do you have it yet? Um, I guess I'll have to go okay. back to the non-reader view. If there's... Okay. Well, while you're doing that, let me just, I'm just going to read a headline here before, you know, we play that, just kind of fill in the space, and I don't have to read the whole story on this one. I'm but not seeing a video, though. There is. There's a screenshot. It, it's, no, it's, it's mm -hmm. there. You have to, there's 105 views on it. It's, it's there on the page. You got to scroll down some. Scroll down more. It's. Near the bottom. You want me to send you the direct link to it? Okay, it's the one from TPM. Emma. Yes. TPM Livewire. TPM Livewire. Okay. Yeah, that one. Okay. All right. So I want to share some good news with you guys first, though. the The U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, this is according to Liberty or FirstLiberty.org. This is good news. I don't know how many of you have been aware of these stupid court battles over crosses, right? Well, the war on the Veterans Memorial is now over. I want to read you part of this article that the attorneys put out. It says here, today in a 7-2 decision, the justices of the Supreme Court of the United States preserved the nearly 100-year-old Bladensburg World War I Veterans Memorial, along with memorials like it bearing religious symbols across the country, most importantly, the American Legion versus American Humanist Association. The justices reaffirmed that the First Amendment allows people to use religious symbols and images in public. First Liberty Institute and the international law firm Jones Day represent the American Legion. So just so you guys know, religious freedom actually won. And, you know, th this case was like in the courts forever. Like for a very, 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 very long time, people. And um, so that's good news. We can rejoice about that because I don't know about you, but sometimes when you drive across America in the middle of nowhere, you'll actually see like crosses just standing in the middle of nowhere. And the atheists, they get all upset because these crosses exist. And um, it's like, oh, well, build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> Make sure the bridge has a cross on it and cross over. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so that's good news. You probably didn't hear much about it because it was, you know, in our favor and the liberal media doesn't like that. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Got it? Almost? Bareface almost has it. Almost. Yeah, he does. 
You know, I have my alcohol in the background again. Rubbing alcohol, people. Be very careful with this. It's flammable. Atheists get upset about seeing religious freedom. I know, they do. It's the irony of it all, right? <clears throat> okay, so the backstory on Joe Scarborough and this situation is um, this took place. I don't know if it took place today, I guess. I don't know. Morning Joe, co-host Joe Scarborough, formerly a conservative, was particularly appalled by a member of the Trump administration on Monday morning. Note how they're referring to the vice president as a member of the Trump administration. Yeah, he is. He is like the, <laughs> the second guy in line. If Trump ever dies or something, guess who? Mike Pence will be the president, which would really irritate people. But anyway, uh, it says here, uh, while, just referring to Joe Scarborough, uh, while he's become a vocal critic of key members of Trump's White House, Scar Scarborough tore into Vice President Mike Pence over Pence's remarks to CNN's Jake Tapper over the weekend about the conditions at youth immigrant detention centers, particularly at the U.S.-Mexico border. Scarborough raised Pence's self-professed Christian faith and suggested the Vice President needed to reread some key parts of the New Testament. And I'll let you listen to what he has to say. The, the reason, though, um, this is so important, or I'm bringing it up. Usually I wouldn't bring something like this up, but because it involves a public personality intentionally attacking the vice president's Christian faith. Now, he isn't really addressing the issue at hand, which is what Mike Pence was trying to do. Uh, uh, Joe, morning Joe, actually, I said actually, was attacking Mike personally because he's a Christian. You know, in years past, when I was just a child many years ago, decades now, uh, you would never, ever, 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 ever hear an anchor person or any type of commentator on TV attacking a person because of their religious faith. In fact, it would be the exact opposite. They would have been praising them for their faith in God. But we have turned such, we have become such a God-hating culture, especially in the media, you know, and we have to bring this up because the media is what influences most people, even the church. Um, and so the reason I'm bringing this up isn't to debate the issue that they were talking about, because uh, I know people are upset about it. That's not the issue. The reason I'm bringing this up is because of Joe Scarborough's rebuke about Mike Pence having to read the Bible. And so what I want to show you is the context in which the quote Joe is bringing up is actually set to show you how inappropriate and, and, and biblically illiterate Joe Scarborough is. Because, um, you know, just saying. Okay, ready? All right, my ears are kind of <clears throat> having ringing in my ears again. Just so irritating. Okay, I am ready. Bareface is ready, so let's watch this clip. Aren't toothbrushes and blankets and medicine basic conditions for kids, aren't they a part of how the United States of America, the Trump administration, treats children? Well, of course they are, Jay. Well, the lawyer was arguing the well, opposite. I, I, I can't speak to what that lawyer was saying. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we asked for more bed space. We have money to give toothpaste and soap and blankets to these kids in this well, facility in El Paso County. Well, right now we well, do. Of, co of course we do. So why aren't we? My, my, po <laughs> my point is, it's all a part of the appropriations process. Congress needs to provide additional support to deal with the crisis at our southern border. 
No, no, that, actually, Mr. Jonathan Vice Lemire, President. that's just a lie. You're pathetic. Mike Pence is lying about children living in torturous positions right there. Mike Pence, who claims to be a Christian, Chortling. a devout Christian, and he uses it. And I'm sure he is. I'm not questioning his faith, but he uses it as a political yeah, badge of honor. Um, Mike should read the Gospels again and see what Jesus says about the treatment of little children. You can start at Luke 17, too. Something about millstones yeah. being hung around people's neck. Um, I, you've got to explain to us what does the administration think they are gaining by allowing children to walk around with lice <clears throat> and walk around without diapers and eight-year-olds having to take care of two or three-year-olds? What does the administration think they gain from that? Okay. <clears throat> all right. First of all, I wonder if Joe Scarborough had somebody, some producer saying, hey, Joe, look up, you know, say Luke 17. Verse 2, because I seriously doubt the man knows that verse by heart. Just saying. Um, I I have a feeling. I can't prove it, but it's my gut that says that some producer was whispering that into Joe's ear. Because he's like, something about, uh, you know, a, a child with a millstone hung around his neck. Right? So, <laughs> put a one if you think I might, if, if I'm right. Put a, put a two if you're like, eh, that's a stretch harp. Eh. All right, so... Here's the thing. Let's look at Luke 17, okay? We're going to look at Luke 17, verse 2, but let's look at some context first, and then we're also going to go ahead and look at the other parallel passages that actually mention this, just so we can see actually what Joe was really referring to, and we can see if it really applies to this whole immigration situation, okay? So here is, uh, here is the situation. I'm going to back up, however. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 16, I'm going to refresh your memory about what happened before this. Because Luke, you guys may recall, is uh, the third gospel. It was written by a doctor in chronological order, so that's important. Uh, it's So we know what comes before Luke 17 is Luke 16. So this is what we have recorded first before what happened in Luke 17. So beginning in verse 19 of Luke 16, it says here, now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in, a and you are in agony. And besides all this between us, and you, there's a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers in order that they may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. 
But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Interesting story leading up to Luke 17, which, as you, you guys know, just so you know, <laughs> the Bible, when it was originally written, there were no chapter divisions. It was just a big, long scroll, basically. So it continues to say, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. That's the verse Joe quoted. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the, in the sea, and it would obey you. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. We'll go ahead now, and we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Because Matthew chapter 18 actually says part of the story as well. So I'm going to begin in verse 1 in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them, which we did not see before in Luke, right? And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into the eternal fire. And he goes on and talks more about that. So we have the context, right? You begin to get a bigger picture. All right, over in Mark chapter 9, we also see this verse mentioned again. So here's another piece we'll add on. Beginning, uh, let's see here, beginning in, well, I'll begin in verse 38. So, so Mark 9, 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him with a heavy millstone hung around his neck had he been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire. 
where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And he goes on and talks more about hell after this, okay? So, I don't know about you, but if you look at the context of Luke 16 and you understand the backstory between Abraham's bosom there, the rich man Lazarus, you, you're understanding that the, the issue underlying all of that is salvation. And then you look at Matthew 18 and you, you see inserted into that verse where the child has to believe in Christ. That is the context. And the issue is relationships with other people, other believers, as we look over in Mark 9, 9 as well. And again, he ties it back into the issue of eternal life and salvation. So Joe Scarborough's like, or whoever's producer was that went, hey, look at, you know, quote that verse, completely taking that out of context, misapplying it to this whole immigration situation and stuff. And I understand his point. I think his point, what he was trying to poorly demonstrate by misquoting the word of God, um, is that we need to care about giving, you know, these little immigrant children supplies and, and we need to take care of them and stuff. And no, you know, of course, who would argue that? You know, we need to take care of kids, of course, anytime. Um, but the context of scripture is extremely important because there's there's nothing there in Scarborough's commentary about the idea of salvation, heaven, and hell. And I think that's very, very important. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. The Like I said, context has to do with the fate of the children. If they believe causing them to stumble right. is not they don't have a toothbrush for a few hours that's not causing them to stumble unless of course he's saying they perceive the united states as a godly nation one that you know reveres and exalts christ and so then they they also believe in the lord and so oh i didn't get a toothbrush today while it was being processed therefore i can't believe in god anymore because the United States is a, well, no, wait, we got separation of church and state, so we wouldn't want the United States to appear as any sort of representative of God. No, and yeah, it's ridiculous. Yes, children should be treated well, but it has nothing to do with stumbling them in their faith, giving them cause to doubt um, yeah. who God is, who Messiah is. Unless we forget that the overwhelming majority of relief organizations that actually do help poor children all over the world, especially during crises and stuff, are usually Christian-based organizations. You're not seeing them, um, you know, you're not seeing many of these organizations being raised up by atheists or Muslims or, or people on the left or the homosexual community. They're not they're not funding millions of dollars to go help children and the poor and, and all that. So, you know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to really get down to brass tacks, it's Christianity that helps the world and helps the poor and the needy more than anybody to the dismay and to the, you know, the, the horror of the liberals in, and the, and the, and the progressive Christians out there, you know, who like to tell, well, you need to have rights and blah, blah, and you need this. And we're going to be permissive with this. And we're just going to forget God's word, half of it, at least, you know, in context, we're not even going to look at it, you know? In fact, that's one of the issues I, I take with progressive believers is that you put your, your emotional cause, let's say homosexuality, the identity above Jesus call to holiness you know the bible calls, calls homosexuality an abomination in the new and old testament 
and yet you're advocating for an abominational, abominable, abominable, abominable. That's a new word. Abomination. Okay, I know what I'm trying to say. Abomin. Help me out, bareface. Oh, you guys, you can laugh. You, you had it right. Abominable. Yep, just like the abominable Behavior? snowman. The okay. Something All right. Well, that's anyway, abominable. It's so you're yeah. Okay. So you're you're advocating for an for a behavior that is an abomination. <laughs> Try to say it that way, okay? As opposed to pursuing holiness, which is what God has called us called us to be. Be holy as he is holy, right? What does that mean? To be set apart. Right? Why do you think it's so like like oh my gosh, you're a virgin when you got married? Ah, oh my gosh, you're a weirdo. Yeah, I might be a weirdo, but I don't have an STD like you do. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I don't have a broken heart like you might have had. Just saying. And the likelihood of me being married longer is way higher because the marriage rates are, like, awesome with people who wait as opposed to shack up and commit adultery and all that other stuff. Fornicate before they get married. Not that I'm judging, but I'm just saying that's the research. Secular research shows that. All right, so there's another... Um... Can I say just one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Since you brought that up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm good. About that, you know, identity thing. I want to talk about Bernie first, or after this, though. Okay. Okay. Uh, for you, for you um, Weekends in the Word people, you already heard this, but, you know, we were looking at when uh, Yeshua, when Jesus was challenged about divorce. You know, can a man divorce his wife or anyway, whatever. And he came back with, you know, God who created them, made them male and female, what God has put together. And that's the whole thing, that uh, human sexuality isn't something, and especially the institution of marriage is not a man-made thing. It's not, well, let's make, what about this case? What about that case? And what if, it's all about love and, you know, who you choose and, no, whatever you choose to do in terms of sexuality, that's ultimately you have to answer to God because it, it's God who created mankind, created them male and female, and said the two shall become one flesh, and what God has joined together, let not man separate. You know, they were looking to parse it with man's interpretation and man's, you know, um, rules and and stuff like that and then uh, our savior put it in context let's not go parsing what this rabbi said and let's let's go back this this is not a human institution to make up human rules about and exceptions and whatever god created humans he made the male and female he said the two shall become one flesh and that uh, you know, what God has joined together, let not man put us under. So it's it's a God institution. Anyway, if you want to mess with it in any other way, you have to answer the creator for that. It's not your local government or the Supreme Court or whatever. It's between yeah. you and God at that point. Well, Back to you. One of the, one of the things that um, I find interesting is in the, I think it's in the Talmud. Randall, correct me if I'm wrong. It the Jews had written about how in the end of days before the flood, before God flooded the earth, that homosexual marriage was a very common practice back then. 
Um, and that was one of the final things that took place before the big flood of the world. You know, God flooded the world. Um, we're, we're at that same place, except we're waiting for the Messiah to return again the second time to come back and basically put an end to all this foolishness, right? I mean, you know, it's hard living in this culture. And the fact that Mike Pence is being openly criticized for being a Christian and having biblical beliefs uh, by a fool like Joe Scarborough, who at one time I believe professed being a believer, but he's clearly biblically illiterate. Um, you know, it says something, you know, it really does. And I think that, um, I think it's just going to get worse and worse. You know, I really do. There's a lot out there going on. Most people aren't paying attention to it. In fact, I have a story here from California pastors. I will end with that, that story, but just want to touch on the very first thing I saw this morning on Twitter, which was that Bernie Sanders, who is, you know, um, a socialist, <laughs> albeit a nice old geezer socialist, right? Uh, he is proposing to cancel student debt, ha hashtag canceling student debt for 45 million Americans. And you know what? I don't follow this guy because he, you know, he's a socialist. I, I don't care about this person at all, really, as far as, you know, his ideas, because like, I don't agree with them. But I can tell you something. I paid like 50 grand plus in student debt because I didn't have mommy and daddy put me through college. Uh, Randall and I, we did student loans. It took me 10 years to pay them off. And, you know, I, I actually was reading through some of these these uh, um, comments. And what really struck me is, is the entitlement attitude of people. And, you know, well, and, there, and one of the things Bernie tweeted was about, well, how women have more student debt than anybody. And I thought to myself, yeah, it's because women want to get educated. You know, duh, hello. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting educated, going to school, right? Going to college. I, I have three, three college degrees. But you know what? If you're going to take a loan, to do it, then you need to pay your debt. Just saying, people. Um, don't be, you know, I mean, <laughs> I could rant about this for a long time. Just saying. I really could. And I, I know people who are trying to get out of their debt. And I'm like, you know what? You, you intentionally went into debt for this education. Now you go get a job and you work for paying off the debt. Yes, bareface. And at the risk of sounding... Uh, sexist or misogynist or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, almost two thirds of all student debt, nearly nine hundred twenty-nine billion dollars in the U.S. is held by women. Well, because it's discriminatory and you know women are oppressed and no, because you yeah, look we are. We because are. you look at the degrees that women pursue. Generally, most women that they pursue, and they're generally the helping professions. <laughs> You know, they are school teachers. Yep. They are the nurses. They are, you know, et cetera. True. You know, the preschool teachers, whatever. The, the positions that don't pay as much, generally, I don't know why society is that way, that I guess it's to weed out the people who are in it just for the money because you can't, you don't go into teaching just for the money. You don't go into health, you know, nursing care just for the money. You don't do that. Although nursing is probably one of the better fields to go into. That is pretty good. Financially. I've yeah. never known a poor nurse. True. Just saying. But, but it's not an easy job. You know, but a lot of the 
professions that women go into are not generally not higher paying and often except for nursing the people are always looking for nursing but some of the other positions are hard to find so you know the 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 debt of course you know is is uh, yeah just mm -hmm. that there there are lots of women graduating and they graduate and they often don't get into a a job right away and one that allows them to regularly pay on student debt anyway you can look up the stats on that. You'll find it to be true. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm all for a flat tax. That's what I would love. I would love it if everybody paid the equal amount per their, you know, income. 10%, whatever. You know, just give us all flat tax instead of this baloney that we ha we currently have. Actually, if we could just wipe out tax altogether, <laughs> that would be awesome. Or uh, repeal. What, what amendment was it that introduced... Um, federal know. income tax but yeah tariffs and excise taxes yeah the way the constitution or whoever said right it, was. it worked for you know, over the founding a, fathers it worked for well over a hundred years in funding the federal government it would make us richer if we did a flat tax because the reason we're partially in debt over half of our debt is tax i mean it's ridiculous anyway here's the thing though um i personally think that if wages were decent that they were decent enough for a man, an actual man, a manly man type, that actually got off his rear end and actually went out and got a job, could go out, work one job, and support his wife and children. And the woman could stay home. Yeah, I know. Oh, the horror of it all. You know, I think women should be able to work outside the home. That's I'm not saying, like, you know, you need to be barefoot and pregnant. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that I think it's gotten ridiculous to the point where a lot of families can't support themselves on the incomes that are out there. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that families as a whole would be, would fare better, children would fare better when a mom is home at home taking care of them and the, the manly man is doing the job and supporting the family. Or, you know, if you must do it the other way and have the woman take care of the husband because something happens, you know, then... You know, I, I actually know people that, that I have a good friend who is, well, I don't know that he's a good friend, but he's taking care of his grandchildren and his wife supports him. So, you know, I I think one parent should be able to stay at home. Let's put it that way. And if you're an entrepreneur, well, hey, then your kids are lucky because then they can learn how to be an entrepreneur under you, hopefully. <laughs> you're making enough money. So speaking of that, I want to thank Ariel Ministries for sponsoring our show uh, they have been doing it for almost three years, you guys, and this is an awesome thing. I was actually talking to somebody this morning at Pickleball, and they were saying that it's very rare that live streaming shows get any type of sponsorship, and it's really true. Uh, so, Ariel, you know, they've asked us to talk about Camp Shoshana and through the end of the month. So, if you haven't yet signed up or you know somebody who wants to go, go to CampShoshana.com. That's Camp S H O S H A N A H.com, or you can go over to Ariel.org. And you can learn more over there. Just click through. You'll see you'll see info over there. Um, and don't forget, you can also use the coupon code BIBLENEWS and save 20% with that coupon code. All right. So that is, um, I see you, Sean, making your, your comments. I get it. And Bob, I see your comments too. People, I see your comments, but I'm trying to stay on time today. Okay. Anyway. All right. 
So here is what's going on in California. Oh, wait, let me forget. Wait, I almost forgot. Okay, you can also become a pillar of the community, or as Jennifer says, a pillager of the community. <laughs> if you want to give, uh, please do. BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And give to your little heart's content. Whatever you can give is good. We're, we're, we're happy with it. Uh, and Legal Shield. Hey, you guys, here's the truth. Legal Shield rocks. Yeah, it does. Um, and this is the end of the month. I personally would like to close strong. Yeah, I would. Uh, so if you've been thinking about getting Legal Shield or identity theft protection this month, I would love to have your business. Give me a get get in touch with me as soon as possible, <laughs> and I can tell you about the service. I can tell you how it can help you uh, privately because I don't want to take up time on the show to do it. Um, so just get in touch with me. You can do that if you go to my website bitly forward slash loj twenty nineteen bit.ly forward slash capital l capital o capital j twenty nineteen. Go there. And you can send me a message through my site there. Then I can get in touch with you as soon as possible. Or if you know me, just call me or something. Because I am still in need of sales to meet my quota. <laughs> I'm a little stressed, to be honest. But that's okay. God is good and he'll provide however. All right. Um, and I would ask for your prayer on that, too. Because I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it by the end of the month. And they haven't done it yet. And, and it's, Yeah. That's where the enemy gets me because it's like, eh, don't lie to me. Just say no if you're not interested. I know, but the, okay. Anyway. All right. So what's going on in California? Okay. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's an article uh, over on mychristiandaily.com. It's titled, Why California Pastors Must Stand Up to Government Tyranny. And um, this is uh, an article by Dr. Michael Brown. And I'm going to read most of it, probably not all of it because it's long, but it says here, and you guys who are in California, and I know some of you are, make sure you tell your friends if you don't already know this. In the latest and most egregious example of attempted government overreach, California legislatures have proposed a bill that would dictate what pastors preach from the pulpit. Specifically, Assembly Concurrent Resolution 99 calls on counselors, pastors, religious workers, educators, and institutions with great moral influence to stop perpetuating the idea that something is wrong with LGBT identities or sexual behavior. ACR 99, that would be Assembly Concurrent Resolution, 99 also condemns attempts to change unwanted same-sex attraction or gender confusion as unethical, harmful, and leading to high rates of suicide. Put another way, these legislatures are telling pastors and spiritual leaders to throw out the Bible, disregard the Lord's will, ignore the testimony of thousands of ex-gays, and conform to extreme political correctness or else. This is one of the most frontal attacks on our religious freedoms in memory or perhaps in our nation's history. And it confirms what I've said for the last 15 years. Those who came out of the closet want to put us in the closet. This is nothing less than the ancient spirit of Jezebel trying to silence God's messengers through fear and intimidation. There is one way to respond to such spiritual and legal attacks. First, stand up against the bill in order to expose its bias and bigotry, which they're fully aware of, just saying. And second, if the bill should actually pass, which might be a long shot even in California, defy it. This is what Michael Brown is saying. 
In the year 123 AD, the Roman government launched a severe crackdown against the Jews, culminating in 134 AD, when all Jewish practices were forbidden, including circumcision, Torah study, and Sabbath observance. How did the rabbis respond? One of the noted leaders, Rabbi Hananiah ben Teridon, conducted public Torah classes, paying for it with his life. But this was no emotional spur-of-the-moment decision. There was a rationale behind his actions, traceable back to Rabbi Akiva, the greatest rabbinic sage of that day, but not a believer in Jesus, also martyred for his allegiance to Torah. The Talmud relates, Once the wicked Roman government issued a decree forbidding the Jews to study and practice the Torah, Papus ben Judah um, came by and upon finding Rabbi Akiva publicly holding sessions in which he occupied himself with Torah, Pappas asked him, Akiva, are you not afraid of the government? Rabbi Akiva replied, you, Pappas, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm trying. Anyway, uh, who are said to be wise are in fact a fool. I can explain what I am doing by means of a parable. A fox was walking on a river bank and seeing fishes hastening here and there asked them, from whom are you fleeing? They replied, from the nets and traps set for us by men. So the fox said to them, how would you like to come up on dry land so that you and I may live together the way my ancestors lived with yours? They replied, you, the one they call the cleverest of animals, are in fact a fool. If we are fearful in the place where we can stay alive, how much more fearful should we be in a place where we are sure to die? So it is with us. If we are fearful when we sit and study Torah, of which it is written, for, for that is thy life and the length of thy days, Deuteronomy 30.20, how much more fearful ought we to be should we cease the study of the words of Torah? Barakat, or however you say that, 6b, 61b. The same principle applies to spiritual leaders today. All the more in light of my Messiah's death and resurrection on the cross, we do what is right regardless of cost and consequence. We honor the Lord and love our neighbor by speaking the truth, however unpopular it may be. The more the world seeks to muzzle us, the more loudly and clearly we must speak out. Should we avoid demonizing those in the LGBT community? Absolutely. And I know no one, actually, who ever really does, to be honest with you, unless they're the Westboro Baptist Church, which is a fake cult. Anyway. Should we be careful to separate issues from people? Certainly. In other words, we make a distinction between an aggressive agenda and hurting and a hurting individual. Should we proclaim God's love through the cross for every human being? Without a doubt. But we must not refrain from declaring what God's word plainly says. Homosexual practice is contrary to his will, and he does not bless or recognize same-sex, quote, marriages, unquote. And when it comes to transgender identities, biology is not bigotry, and the best solution for people struggling with gender confusion is to help them find wholeness from the inside out. Should this draconian bill actually become law, the strategy is simple. The Sunday after the bill is passed, every true pastor in California should preach a love-drenched message on what the Bible says about LGBT people and issues. Better still... How about every pastor doing it this Sunday? Why wait? So, you know, just like Dr. Michael Brown has been talking about this for a while, so have I. And, um, you know, in fact, Sheila Butt, who is a former representative here in Tennessee, um, she was talking about on her Facebook page today about how 
you know, some people are, are attacking her um, because she has the nerve to talk about these issues. And, and they're saying, well, why are you getting all political? And her response was very good because she said, you know, the Bible is political. You know, we address issues of the day with what the scripture says, right? I mean, it's not just homosexuality or Islam or, you know, immigration that secular people can address those issues. The Bible talks to all of these issues. See, but the one thing that these people tend to forget is that the Bible gives the real answer. That's the thing. Because when you change a person's heart towards Christ and they repent and they get forgiven of their sin, guess what? That person's going to go out. They're going to vote differently. They're going to treat people differently. They're going to act differently. You know, they're going to, their whole life is going to be changed. In fact, last night at church, um, uh, Pastor Josh, who is a young man, Randall and I are trying to figure out how young, he must be in his 30s or young 30s. Uh, he gave this message about, um, it was Zacchaeus, right? Wasn't yes. It was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the short guy. And anyway, he was, and I can relate to being short. <laughs> anyway, so Zacchaeus was in a tree, but he was a tax collector. In fact, he was a very rich tax guy. You know, he was probably the head of the IRS during that time. And Zacchaeus was a thief. Yeah, he was. He was a criminal, I say. He, he was a liar and a thief. And what he did, he would defraud people of money he would lie to them and make them pay more taxes than they had to well when jesus saw zacchaeus in a tree you know he said hey you i'm gonna go over here i want to go over to your house you know and so zacchaeus got down and jesus went over and hung out with him at his house and upon that meeting at the house to make a long story short zacchaeus basically said hey you know what I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor and anybody that I have defrauded, I'm going to pay them back four times more than what, you know, they were supposed to, than what I took. So, you know, and, and the point is, is that prior to that, there was a parable in Luke as well, where, you know, the, the, the story about how, how, how it's hard for rich men to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, obviously, God's word convicted Zacchaeus, right? And what changed Zacchaeus' heart? It wasn't money. It was Jesus, you know? And that's the threat to, the, to, the, to people. That's the, the, that's the threat to the world system. Jesus Christ is Yeshua, the Messiah, you know, the one who came. He broke barriers, people. He was born of a virgin. First of all, I don't know any, any other historical figure that we have documented history on that was born of a virgin. Just saying. And I don't know any other historical figure that came back to life and remained living. Just saying. And Jesus did. Yeah, he did. Uh, Israel is proof that God exists. I mean, just look at Israel. It shouldn't be around, just so you know. I mean, it's insane that Israel exists. But my people, yes, we do exist. <laughs> and you cannot deny the testimony of people all over the world. You just can't. You cannot deny the testimony of what Jesus does in people's lives. You know, I love to share uh, with my friends locally about the ministry that we do here. 
because I hear a lot of stories from you guys. I mean, you know, I know all of you. I mean, you guys tell me stuff and, and you know, I, I love the fruit of what I hear, you know, and I just love it. You know, one of the things that, that people miss, believers miss, you know, I'm, I'm going to share something. Okay. I'm going to share this and how much time. Okay. It's 4.51. Okay. So every morning I'm on a phone call from seven o'clock to seven thirty. It's with legal shield. Right. So, you know, um, we're, we're being trained and every morning we talk the, 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 and, and here's the thing. I've never met any of these people on the call. Actually, not one of them have I ever met. I will in October, but I haven't met any of these people, but I'm on the phone with them every day. That's two and a half hours a week. I'm spending time with these people. Okay. Of course, the focus of this call is to encourage us all in our business so that we can do one little thing a day to promote Legal Shield and to sell identity theft insurance and stuff like that. And it's been fascinating to me, having been on this call every day for about three months now, give or take, how most of these people, um, and I don't know how many believers there are on the call. I mean, I know there's some genuine believers, but then I also know there's some um, people who believe in the law of attraction, all that stuff. I don't believe in all that garbage. But what I will say is that it's interesting that the world system, you know, in order to build a business, there's this discipline to focus on what we did right and to focus on one aspect of the day to tell one person a day or two people a day technically is what Legal Shield requests of associates. You know, if you're doing your business, you're telling two people a day about the membership and how it can change their life. And every morning I think to myself, if only the church would do that, if only the church had the same passion that associates, top level associates at Legal Shield had, if only the church had that passion, put people on their prayer list. Remember years ago, I brought up the most wanted list right? Which I actually stole from Janet Parshall, but you know, your prayer list, that most wanted list, who do you want to be in heaven with you? Right. And I'm guilty. I've stopped doing that. I need to do that again, you know, but here's the thing that, um, you know, we have a list. We should be building that list, our prayer list. And, you know, we should be reading 10 pages a day. See, Legal Shield teaches you, you should read 10 pages a day of an inspirational business type book or on personal development. Why not read 10 pages a day as a Christian, but in the Bible, read 10 pages of the Bible a day. How long will that take you? It won't take you that long. Why not share the gospel with somebody every single day? Send them a message, a scripture. It has to be more than that though. Addressing people's needs and telling them how did Jesus change your life, right? I mean, think about it. I, I share my testimony all the time at Pickleball. I'm talking to people. In fact, I am um, had a talk with a guy last week. Um, and, and it was interesting because he's an older man. There's a lot of old people that play because they're all retired. But this guy was in his, I don't know, probably 70s. And um, we're talking and everything and because <clears throat> we're waiting between games. And, and, um, and I said, are you a man of faith? He goes, oh, yeah. But I came kicking and screaming. And I said, well, what happened? And he, and he said, he said to me, he said, well, you know, I was in a real difficult situation and he said, I needed help. And so, you know what I did? I went to a church and I walked into this church during the week and the pastor was there and he came out with a Bible in his hand. The pastor did. That's what this guy told me. And he said, 
you know, what's the situation? And, and this, this man mentioned whatever the situation was. And the pastor said to the man, unbeliever, walking in his church, looking for answers, read the Bible. And then walked away. That's what this friend of mine told me that happened to him. And I'm standing there listening to this story, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. What a butthead for a pastor. I mean, seriously, was that guy having a bad pastoral day or what? As a result of that pastor's behavior, that guy told me that he refused to come to church for years and years and years and years and years and years, and years until somebody, uh, until some situation happened. And anyway, he eventually became a Christian. Um, but he said he came to the right place for help. Well, how much more so when we as believers have our personal testimony that we can share? And so I actually shared with the guy. I said, well, you know, I actually, um, I actually said, uh, well, you know, I was molested as a kid and, and I went on to tell him my little story. And I said the same thing essentially happened to me. I went to my pastor and I was 14 years old when I did it. And I told him I was being sexually abused. And that guy said, go tell somebody at school. <laughs> I'm like, you know, and he goes, well, what happened? I said, I went and I told somebody at my school and they gave me help, you know. I, and I said, so I think the difference between you and me is that I didn't hold the church or that person responsible for my view of God, but you did for a while, you know. And that's the thing. If, if nothing else from the culture that we live in, when we look at media and look at Morning Joe, you know, attacking Mike Pence. See, Joe has a perception of believers based on whatever dirty filter he's been given by the world and his own experiences with religion, whatever they are, right? And the world is just looking for something bad, right? But the thing is, is there's genuine people out there, like my friend Dave Tursini. Many years ago, I met Dave um, you know, and he, I call him Hitman because he used to be a drug addict and a dealer and God radically saved this guy. I mean, radically, he's Italian, as you could tell. And anyway, he, he became one of the most voracious readers of scripture and teachers of God's word that I know to this day. You know, he was sitting in church one day after getting saved and this, the, um, the pastor preached a message on helping the poor. And Dave went up and talked to him and said, well, hey, what are we doing as a church to do this? And basically they said, well, not really not that much. So Dave decided that he, him and his wife were going to go down to uh, the Orange County Rescue Mission. I think, is that right, Randall? Is the, the rescue um, mission? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That is correct. And he went and bought a uh, a hot dog cooker thingy. Just, just a, a like camp a camp stove, stove. A Coleman camp stove. camp stove. Yeah, he went and got a camp stove. He went and bought some hot dogs and chili, and you know buns and some other stuff. And was it root beer floats? Yep. Yeah, it was chili dogs and root beer floats. Chili dogs and root beer floats. Yeah, and every weekend for mm. years, mm -hmm. Dave went down, mm -hmm. and his wife and ministry people that went with him. Every year he went down, and he on his own dime. Every week did this every week on his own dime he fed the homeless chili dogs and root beer floats until god eventually released him from that but i can tell you one thing i know is that david uh there was there is fruit from that ministry many people got really born again some started coming to the church unfortunately some have died well happy for them but you know but some have died and i don't even know what dave's doing now i haven't talked to him in years but my point is is that his life was changed 
And the pastor said, well, why don't you do something about it? And Dave did. Most people don't, right? So our challenge is, okay, as, as Bible believers, you know, as people who are just daily disciples, how can we get out there and show, share, share with people the truth and not just love them where they're at, but show them the truth because we got to do both. Speak the truth in love. You know, people who are um, only taking one part of scripture to, you know, use it for their lifestyle, but they're not understanding the whole counsel of scripture. We need to teach them and train them and disciple them, mentor them and be patient with them when they're not getting it. Um, and that is how you change the culture. Um, by allowing the Holy Spirit to do that. Amen? Amen. Okay. I dropped my crayon. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I see our time is about up, but let me go back here really fast through the comments, see if there's anything I can address for anybody. Um, Mama Gina, I don't know what the guy said as far as what part. He just said, read the Bible. Some pastors hate their job. Yeah, that's true. Actually, many pastors hate their job. I I had a job where I call all I did was call pastors. I I took when I was in my twenties. I took this uh, survey of the pastors that I talked to. I asked them why they became a pastor, and many of them said, "Well, because I want people to like me," and blah blah. And it was all these reasons that had nothing to do with truly being called by God. So I'd be very careful with who you sit under as a pastor or a shepherd because most of them have not been called by God to do, to do that job. Um, just saying. Uh, a lot of people do that, judge the church for what a person had done. Yep. Okay, let's see. And should we... Okay. Okay, great message. Go and speak work. Thanks for reminding us of what we should be doing. Okay, all right, there you go. Okay, so later this week on Thursday, I do have an interview with a with a guest, so you guys can look be looking for that. But of course, tomorrow is Tuesday, and we we will be back, people. I hope. Anyway, <laughs> Lord willing, we will. So uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope this show like touched you in some way. I'd love your feedback any way you want to give it to me, and um. As I always say at the end of every show, people, be bold. Because you know what? You got to be in this culture. Stand up and go with God. And know that you're not alone when you go with God. You know what? Because he loves you. <laughs>